This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Point of Drew. We are back. We've got a big episode coming for you. A lot to break down, a lot to get into the NBA trade trade deadline. We've got uh, some college hoops updates with special guests coming through. And then we got to wrap things up today with a little Super Bowl preview and some uh, some big predictions. And obviously, to break it all down, we got Barton. What's up, B? Yes, sir. What's going on, Z? Good to be back. Uh, we got a lot of, on the menu today for the Druthers. Um, big meal ahead for, for the Druthers. We're going to be serving it up, uh, starting things off. Uh, with the NBA trade deadline. We'll get into a little college basketball uh, with our boy LB. Um, and then, hey, the Super Bowl, it's still happening. Yes, the Chiefs aren't in it, but we got to talk about it. Um, we'll be throwing out a couple of predictions, maybe a few props as well. So big episode ahead. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to dive into it. But before we do, as always, we've got to hit Jersey Corner. Uh, we're getting into it into a stretch here, the, the mid fifties in Jersey Corner. Uh, but you know we still got to do it. We still got to throw out our winner. And this week we've got number fifty three. I'll let you kick things off, Barton. Just give me a couple honorable mentions for the best athlete to rock that number fifty three jersey. Yeah, man. No, no shade uh, towards any of the athletes I'm about to mention, but fifty three, pretty ass number, pretty drop. Not why. Um, but I got a couple guys to shout out. Uh, we'll start things off. I had to give him a shout. We talked about it just now uh, before the episode, but 53, Anthony Hitchens, uh, the linebacker for the Chiefs. I, I had to give him a shout. He, uh, he's not exactly uh, an all-pro type of player, but uh, he puts a lot of effort in. A classic guy out of Iowa, linebacker, fits well with the Chiefs, a spags guy through and through. Um, and, he, you know, he's played pretty well as part of that Super Bowl team, so – um, I thought Anthony Hitchens deserved a shot at 53. My other honorable mention, uh, Bobby Abreu, uh, the, the outfielder, uh, the longtime MLB. Um, he played for uh, White Sox, I believe. I, I'm not even really sure. Sh- no, he did not. <laughs> Phillies, the Astros, the Yankees, uh, had, had a long career. A um, couple good nicknames on the guy, El, El Come Dolce. And La Leche, I'm not really sure what either of those mean, but um, uh, good shot at 53 for Bobby Abreu. Yeah, definitely. That is a good one. I didn't, I didn't catch Bobby Abreu. He did not make my list. Uh, I've only got two that are going to make my uh, list of shout-outs here. Uh, first one's going to be Don Drysdale, pitcher for the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, been a long time since he's been around in the game, but when he was back there um, – 14 seasons in the Dodger blue. He uh, helped him win three World Series, also won a Cy Young. Uh, so definitely deserves a shout. Um, and then uh, my second honorable mention is going to Daryl Dawkins. Um, Daryl Dawkins was a crazy dude. Uh, he, he was the reason the NBA banned breaking backboards. Um, he was intentionally trying to, to uh, break backboards during games. He was wearing gold chains during games, and they, uh, they made him remove it. And Daryl Dawkins also owns uh, the two highest single-season personal foul totals in NBA history. Um, pretty impressive. Daryl Dawkins was out there doing whatever he wanted on the court. So got to show some love for that. A lot of respect for it. Daryl Dawkins getting that honorable mention from me. Good shouts. Dawkins and Drysdale at 53. You had to dig deep for those. I, I don't even know who those guys are. Um, but 53, it's, it's, what it, it's doing it to us today. Um, I, I'll shout out my winner. This guy goes – it's more of a potential look than anything, but uh, Darius Leonard, uh, the linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, um, three NFL seasons under his belt, three All-Pro nominations. Uh, he's off to an incredible start. Uh, uh, was a late rounder out of South Carolina State, just a great draft pick, and, and he's really t- turned out for that, that Colts team. Um, you know, one of the best linebackers in the league and, and probably the years, for com- years to come. So um, potential Hall of Famer maybe when it's all said and done. Darius Leonard, my best to do it at 53. Nice. Good shout there. Um, Darius Leonard definitely deserves a mention on this. Uh, my winner, I'm going a different direction. 
throwing it back, turning back the clock a little to the to the mid seventies NBA ABA actually. Um, going with some artist Gilmore. Artist Gilmore is my winner for the best ever to wear number fifty three. Um, he, he spent the first chunk of his career playing for the Kentucky Colonels of the ABA um, before making the move to the Chicago Bulls in the NBA. Uh, but over his NBA career or basketball career, um, 11-time All-Star. He was a five-time All-ABA player. Uh, he won the 1971-72 NBA MVP, five-time All-Defensive guy. He was a Rookie of the Year. He was an All-Star NBA, uh, All-Star MVP. And uh, most importantly, 1975 ABA champ yes. um, with the Kentucky Colonels. Uh, that that was enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. And so got to stick with that. Artist Gilmore, my winner as the best to rock 53. Artie Gilmore, big shout. Uh, the ABA legend. I personally always got to respect an ABA guy. Uh, honestly, I think my, that's my game would have translated best in that area. When, I know I'm not doing much in the NBA. So um, ABA, uh, love hearing about it. And Artie Gilmore, he's a legend. Yeah, definitely. You would have fit in well in that era. It is too bad that you weren't around then. But uh, one thing's for sure is you you would not fare well in today's game. Uh, but regardless, uh, Artis Gilmore, the best, in my opinion, to rock number 53. You've got Darius Leonard. Uh, hopefully, you know, we could see him in the Hall of Fame, um, you know, a few years from now. So uh, a couple good picks there. But that's going to wrap it for Jersey Corner 53, Darius Leonard, Artis Gilmore. And uh, Barden, let's get into some NBA trade deadline. Yes, before, sir. We, before we do, you know what we got to do? We got to stop for a second. We've got a word from our friends at Shug's Bagels. Shug's After Hours is officially live. Yes, it's true. The Druther favorite, the mecca of bagels in the state of Texas. Shug's is opening a late night ghost kitchen concept that will operate on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. They'll be serving up all their traditional breakfast and lunch favorites, in addition to a few late night classics. We're talking pizza bagels, mod sticks, even mac and cheese bites. Woo! <laughs> not to mention a wide selection of bevies chock full of alcohol. This is not going to be something any Druther will want to miss out on. Go pay him a visit. Visit late night at their location in Park City's Village just off of SMU campus. Shug's After Hours. Open later than literally any other bagel shop in Texas. All right, Barton, we are about six and a half hours now past the end of the NBA trade deadline. We saw some madness over the last hour of it. A lot of uh, crazy stuff happening today. Some of it um, what was stuff that had been rumored for you know months now. Uh, other stuff was just came out of nowhere to me. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of break it all down. Yeah, man, it's uh, a lot of fireworks at the deadline. A lot of stuff happening uh, today. It's Thursday. Um, a a kind of sleepy start, uh, or at least a slow start to the free agency period. Um, a couple of deals getting done. Um, some surprising ones that we'll get into here in a minute. But uh, we got to start things off with the fireworks that happened today. Uh, James Harden is headed to Philadelphia uh, in a package that included uh, Ben Simmons, He's finally uh, free from, uh, from Philly and headed to Brooklyn, um, as well as Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, quite a sweetener, and two first-round picks. Mm -hmm. um, any, any immediate reactions from this trade? It's, it's truly a blockbuster. Yeah, truly a blockbuster, and that's a haul for Brooklyn to bring back. Both of those first-round picks, Simmons, Curry, and Drummond. Um, I mean, obviously, Drummond's kind of a position of need. I also think for the Nets, uh, there's, you know, a lot of potential that Joe Harris isn't coming back this season. He's out with an injury. So swinging Seth Curry is a big pickup for them. A guy you can rely on, on the wing, knock down some of those shots. Um, and then, you know, obviously Simmons, we haven't seen him all year. Um, but getting him to a team in a city where he wants to be is step one to getting him back on the court. So I think Brooklyn definitely got a really good deal in this whole situation, but 
Um, I'm also excited for Harden and Philly. I think that fit um, may take a second to, to really come together with Embiid, figure out how they're going to work. Um, and, you know, I just honestly don't trust Doc Rivers, especially uh, don't trust all three of those guys combined in the playoffs, Harden, Embiid, and Doc Rivers. So we'll see if they can kind of break the curses they've had on him. But I do think it made sense for both sides. Philly needed to take a swing. Embiid is at an MVP level. Uh, they had to go all in, do whatever they could to try and compete, you know, this year. Completely agree. Risky move uh, by Maury and the, and the Sixers, put, pushing all their chips in on uh, guys like Embiid and Harden, who we know have had um, kind of struggled to stay on the court um, for long stretches in the past. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But they are finally rid of Simmons. Um no one's really sure when he's going to see the court again. Um, but, you know, how do you think he fits with uh, this Brooklyn Nets team? I think he actually fits really well. Uh, I mean, Ben Simmons is one of the most versatile defenders that we've ever seen. I mean, he's that good defensively. Um, and that clearly is a positional, uh, you know, weakness in Brooklyn uh, prior to this trade, um, especially when they were trying to run small ball lineups with KD at the five. Uh, Harden wasn't playing a lick of defense. Kyrie, when he plays on the road, uh, you know, he's not a great defender. Uh, you do have a couple good bench defenders, guys like uh, Bruce Brown, um, you know, able to come in and make a difference. But, you know, really, it's pretty clear the Nets were a horrible defensive team. So this will do a lot to kind of patch up some of those holes. Um, but I, I do think Simmons obviously he's a great uh you know facilitator he can pass the ball but it does kind of pose some some spacing issues especially because he can't do anything off the ball and Kyrie likes to have the ball in his hands Durant likes to have the ball in his hands uh and, and when the Nets are moving like that on offense what the hell is Simmons gonna do he can't hang out at the perimeter he's not a threat from there um and unless you have him kind of playing in the dunker spot under the under the rim on offense um, you know, there, there isn't a whole lot else for him to do. So there's some concerns there, but still, I think overall it was the right move because of, of how bad their defense is. And I know you mentioned both teams, uh, you know, benefited from the trade, both teams kind of got accomplished what they needed to accomplish. Um, obviously it's going to take some time to see how things kind of net out, but, um, gut feeling, who do you think wins this trade? Oh, man. I don't know. It's really tough to actually measure like in the long run. I do think Brooklyn. Gun to your head, man. Gun to your head. What are you, what are you going with? Brooklyn. Uh, I, do, I think Brooklyn still has the potential to win it all this year. Um, I mean, they were my pick to win it all from the beginning of the season. Um, they're on what I think a nine game slide right now. They've lost nine straight. Uh, but when they get KD back, uh, you know, who knows what Kyrie's status is going to look like in, you know, two months from now, he may be able to play home games. Who knows if that vaccine mandate gets lifted uh, very well could. And, uh, you know, things could shape well for Brooklyn. Uh, I do think Philly got better with this move. I'm still not convinced that Philly's good enough to win a championship. Yep. I think uh, the draft picks so big for the Nets. Uh, we know they can draft them. Uh, just look at Cam Thomas. That's my guy. I'm falling out in year one. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's TBD at this point, but crazy trade there. Harden and Simmons, both in new destinations. Um, moving on, another big trade that occurred. This happened earlier in the week. Um, this one hit close to home for you. You're a big tra tra Trailblazers guy through and through. Um, and CJ McCollum, a, a staple of that backcourt for, for many years, uh, is headed to New Orleans. Uh, what do you think about that trade? Yeah, so specifically on the, the CJ trade, and like, I guess, bigger picture for the Blazers, um, really, you know, they have a, a new GM in there, Joe Cronin, uh, now the GM, and he kind of came in, decided it was time to sell off, you know, half the team, offload our salary, uh, and, and put the team in a position where they're under the luxury tax, and honestly, uh, you know, in a position where they have a ton of cap space and are going to rebuild around Damian Lillard. That was clearly the plan. Um, and you know, the Blazers did not get great return on a lot of the trades they made. Um, specifically, I don't think this, the trade for CJ was actually that bad. 
We're going to get a first-round pick this year out of it. I really like Josh Hart. I think he's a good piece in it. Um, we sort of swung Joe Ingles as a result of the trade. Um, and Joe Ingles, if he does stick around in Portland for another season, I think he is uh, someone that could fit well there. Um, but the, the Norm uh, Norman Powell trade, Robert Covington trade, swinging them to Los Angeles – uh, the Blazers got absolutely just destroyed in that trade. Uh, the, the return they got there was a complete joke. And so, uh, you know, they got Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and Keon Johnson, who's played about eight games this entire season. Uh, just, you know, kind of ridiculous for the Blazers. Uh, but it does signify that they are just completely tearing everything apart, ready to rebuild, which I, I think probably is the right move at this point for them. It's interesting. Uh, they're definitely, it's definitely a teardown, tearing it down to the studs, uh, getting rid of all that salary, a lot of their key, key players. They still have Damian Lillard. They've, they've hung on to him. Um, what do you think this rebuild uh, looks like for him and, and his timeline? How do you think it, uh, how do you think it all works out? Um, I don't know. I don't have a ton of optimism about it. I think really what, what allowed the Blazers to go for this was the fact that some of their young guys have stepped up. Uh, especially Afrene Simons this year, Afrene Simons. Uh, he's looked really good lately. He's really, uh, you know, improved a ton this year and looks like he can be the guy that is that, um, you know, second backcourt mate with Dame. Um, the Blazers are now going into the offseason with $63 million in cap space, but that means nothing for the Blazers. When's the last time the Blazers ever got a big free agent to come their way? Um, never, no one's going to Portland and, and having cap space means nothing for this team. Uh, what I think it really could signify is that Jody Allen, the owner of the Blazers may just wanted to have cleared the books to put herself in a position to sell the team would not surprise me if the Blazers have new ownership in the next year. So, uh, I think that could be part of it, but regardless, I still have some faith in Dame. He's awesome. Uh, he's probably not coming back to, to play this season. Uh, but that means the Blazers are probably going to have two top 10 picks this year, um, which, it, you know, builds a lot of excitement for the future. Yes, sir. Blazers absolutely reshuffling the deck. Um, we'll see how it works out. One other big trade, a headline move. Uh, this happened pretty early in the week as well. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis, uh, he was on kind of the block for a couple years now, uh, a while in Indiana, a team that's rebuilding. They sent him to Sacramento uh, in a, for a package that included Tyrese Halliburton, a pretty sought-after young player, a, a distributor, a ball handler. Um, what do you think of that trade? I'm, I'm honestly pretty puzzled by it. I'm not sure who won. I'm not sure why either of these players got traded to the teams they went to. Um, so I'm hoping you can, uh, can shine the light on this one for me. Uh, no, I cannot shine a light on it for you. I think the word you use puzzled is a perfect description of, you know, my reaction to this trade. Um, I don't know what the Kings want to do with Sabonis. And, uh, you know, in, unless that was the, the thing that De'Aaron Fox said, hey, go get me Sabonis. I have no other explanation for why the Kings make this move. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton looked like the future in Sacramento. Um, and they're shipping him away along with Buddy Heald. Um, I think they could have gotten a better return for Heald from other teams. Um, but yeah, it really made no sense to me. And on the Indy side, I, I think Indy's definitely the winner in this one coming out with Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, it'll be interesting to see though, how Halliburton kind of works with, uh, with Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, they're, they're really the exact same mold of player. So um, we'll, we'll see how it all shapes out, but regardless, I think Indy came out as the winner in this one. Yeah, this one, man, it confused me. Um, I'm not, I'm by no means the NBA expert you are, but, um, I know Sabonis is, is a good player, maybe not a one or even a two for that matter. And, uh, you can kind of look at Halliburton the same way, at least at this point in his career. So you'd think those guys get traded to a, a contender, a team where they can really kind of fit in nicely yeah. and contributors but um both go to teams that are, are far from contending so yeah uh, well yeah both of them uh you know who knows maybe indy now thinks they're one step closer to to making the play in uh same, same with sacramento uh makes no sense both of them can maybe chase the 10 seed now 
Yep. Two guys that are, are, are super complimentary players that can fit right next to a star and they end up in Sacramento and Indiana. So <laughs> uh, confusing one for sure. Uh, those are the really the headline trades. Any other trades you wanted to touch on um, that really caught your eye over over this deadline? Yeah, um, I mean, the only other one like really worth kind of mentioning and breaking down. I, I mean, I guess there are two. I, one worth mentioning is the Levert trade to Cleveland. Um, I actually do think that, uh, you know, Indy won this trade as well. Um, Indy gets a first round pick out of this. Uh, Levert really probably wasn't a, a part of Indy's long term future. They weren't going to re-sign him this summer. Um, and I was a little surprised to see the Cavs make this move, uh, you know, having another first round pick building for the future is really important, but I think that the Cavs really saw a window this year and said, screw it, let's go for it. Let's do what we can and actually try and compete this year. Um, which at the end of the day, who knows, maybe that's the right call for them. Um, the only other trade I would want to mention is the, uh, the Mavs make making some moves today. Um, and I think some some positive moves for him. Uh, and that started with shipping Kristaps Porzingis to Washington. Uh, so Porzingis is now a wizard. Uh, in return, the Mavericks haul in Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, um, which I think is great for them. I think getting Dinwiddie is, you know, probably going to be helpful. He's really had a, a bad year. But with Jalen Brunson coming up on a contract year, and he's going to want a big payday. Uh, the Mavs likely aren't weren't going to be able to actually afford to keep him around. Um, and so maybe finding his replacement at Dinwiddie could be good. And then obviously Bertans, uh, when he's hot, he's one of the best shooters in the league. And that that's someone you definitely want to have on the court with a guy like Luca. And it also allowed uh, the Mavs to go out and re-sign Dorian Finney-Smith, your guy, DFS. Yes, to, a, to a four-year, fifty-two million contract uh, right after the trade deadline ended. So, um, I actually kind of like what the Mavs did. I think they set themselves up for uh, some good things in their future. So, uh, you know, that one's worth mentioning. Porzingis getting out of Dallas, probably the right move. Yeah, man, this may be hearsay um, coming from me, but from from my perspective, it feels like the Mavs upgraded. Both players, I think uh, Dinwiddie can be an upgrade from from. I guess they didn't move off Brunson, but if, if the idea is that to keep Dinwiddie longer term and let Brunson go, uh, I I kind of like Dinwiddie more. And then maybe more controversial opinion: Bertans over Porzingis any day of the week. Get Porzingis out of there. Get that contract out of there. Yeah, Bertans maybe doesn't provide as much, but uh, he's a better shooter, I would say. So um, we'll see. I think the Mavs made some good moves there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I really like Jalen Brunson. I, I would definitely be more in favor of, of Brunson over Dinwiddie, but I do think it would have been impossible for the Mavs uh, with their current situation to keep Porzingis and re-sign both Finney Smith and Jalen Brunson. Um, so I, th I think this trade actually will allow them to do that now if they wanted to. So uh, I, I think they did give themselves some flexibility for the future going into this offseason. Uh, they'll have a little more room to kind of work with those deals, see what's out there as well. Um, so I like it for the Mavs. Yep. Let's, let's wrap things up. Uh, we've talked about all the, uh, the teams that made moves. Uh, let's close things out with the teams that didn't make moves that, you know, probably should have or, or had room to grow. Who are the teams that really missed out this deadline? Uh, the Lakers are definitely the first team that comes to mind. No moves were made, uh, you know, on the, uh, today or leading up to the trade deadline for the Lakers. Um, they're rocking with their 15 man roster that they started the year with, and it's not looking so hot for them. Uh, they lost last night to, uh, you know, this Blazers, you know, C team uh, who, you know, only had maybe eight active players on the roster. Um, just embarrassing for the Lakers. Obviously, Russ can't figure it out. There are some rumors that maybe you could do a Russ for John Wall type of deal, but uh, that just didn't seem like it was going to happen. And so, you know, no moves for the Lakers really just, you know, they're almost throwing in the towel. They can try and get some buyout players, but they're not in a good position. And then the only other team, um, you know, that didn't really make any moves uh, would be the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks were in a spot where I thought they may try and make some noise, may try and shift some pieces around, bring someone in that, that they could work with. 
uh, try and take another run in the playoffs this year, but that did not work out. So uh, Lakers, Knicks, the, the big notable teams that did not make any moves. Any chance the Lakers, I know you said they didn't make any moves. They're probably rolling with the 15-man roster they have, but uh, I've, I've been hearing some rumors. Buddy Heald, the additional piece that went to Indiana from Sacramento, um, there's a chance he might get flipped. Uh, it's a nice piece to have. They've got a crowded backcourt in Indiana at this point. Um, any chance that Buddy Heald find his way, finds his way to L.A.? Um, yeah, so obviously it can't happen this season. Uh, now that the trade deadline's over, but, uh, you know, potentially this summer, uh, we'd have to see if the Lakers can put together the pieces for it. I also don't know what Heald's contract situation looks like moving forward, but Heald was the guy the Lakers really wanted last offseason and really thought about, um, you know, moving Kuzma and Montrez Harrell for um, in uh, KCP as well before they ended up in, in getting the Russ deal and sending those guys to Washington. So. Uh, Heald's definitely a guy they want, should I, because they really need a wing who can shoot. That is uh, one of the Lakers' big misses so far this season. Yeah, well, we'll have to keep an eye on, on how the Lakers end up uh, not doing much at this deadline. Uh, but fun deadline. Law went down. Law went down today. James Harden, uh, the headliner, is headed. Absolutely. Ben Simmons. We'll see if he comes back, but he's a Brooklyn net. Uh, a lot of fun stuff ahead uh, in, in that uh, East Eastern Conference going forward. Pretty wild. It's going to be a fun, you know, stretch of the season. All-star breaks coming up next week. Um, so we'll, we'll get a chance to really see all these players in their new uniforms for a game or two, take a break, and then, you know, hit the final stretch of the season. So I'm excited for it. A lot of fun stuff went down today. Had a lot of fun just watching it, watching the reactions. Uh, anything involving Ben Simmons and James Harden the Nets and the, the Sixers, there's always some good jokes going on. So uh, definitely been fun to tune into. Yeah, man, I know you're dialed in. Uh, that'll wrap it for the free agency recap. Uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of a college basketball update. Um, I'd say we're about 10 twelfths through the, uh, the regular season now. So a couple weeks left, we'll see what happens. But uh, a lot, a lot of the season has been played. We're well into conference play, uh, and we got Logan Bush on coming on shortly to, to break it all down. Like you mentioned, Barton, we are ten twelfths of the way through the the college basketball season. Uh, if you want, we can, we, we, we can go ahead and just call it five six of the way, um, whatever you want to call it. We're, we're approaching we are approaching March. We're in the middle of February now. Uh, and we got to start really getting caught up with everything in college hoops, get ready for the final runs of the season. No one better to, to bring on the show to help break that down than, than the uh, you know, point of drew recurring, returning guest, Logan Bush. What's going on, Logan? How's it going? Thanks for having me back on, guys. I'm excited to dive into this college basketball season now that we're you know, 10 twelfths the way through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Logan, it's good to have you on. Uh, my wingman throughout the college basketball season. No one's um, watching more hoops. No one's gambling on more hoops uh, than my guy right here. So uh, a worthy guest to break it all down for sure. Absolutely. I'm excited to dive into it with you, Logan. Uh, and the way we can do this, I think we should just run through each of the conferences um, just one by one. And, and, you know, when we hit each of these conferences, just give us a little recap. Who's the best team in the conference right now? Um, you know, who's the, the team you've liked watching the most? And then, uh, you know, maybe a surprise team or two that we should just keep an eye on, um, you know, during the final stretch of the season. So that sounds good with you, man. Let, let's go ahead and start up north in the Big Ten. What, what's going on in the Big Ten this year? You know, this one's pretty loaded. I think um, I think the best team in the Big Ten is Purdue, even though they don't have the best conference record at the moment. But they're just the best team from top to bottom, I think. They're the deepest team. Um, I, I, really like their, I, li I really like their style of play. they got two big men. They've got Jaden Ivey, who I think is – I think he's a pro. I think he's a lottery pick. Um, you know, as, then as far as surprise teams goes, I think surprise teams go – I. I've got two. One disappointing is Michigan, um, surprisingly disappointing. 
they uh, they they came into the year top five. Um, you know, they're starting to find their footing a little bit right now. Now I think they're up at halftime on Purdue right now at the moment. So they're starting to find their stride a little bit. Um, and then honestly, I would say Wisconsin, our Scotties are pretty, are pretty surprising. They, uh, I did not, I mean, I would have figured they'd probably be a tournament team like they always are, but to be as good as they are right now, I think they're, they're somewhere at the top of the pack and they're playing real well. Um, especially after losing as much as they lost last year. Then the most fun team, it's gotta be Rutgers in the rack. Shout out Moss. And <laughs> when they're at home, they're so much fun to watch. When they're on the road at Northwestern, they might lose. But when they're at home, they're a lot of fun to watch. What about you, Bart? Yeah, I like all their shots. I agree uh, in terms of the best team. Um, there's, a, there's a few that have the argument. I think Illinois is really good. Uh, Michigan State play well for stretches. Uh, the best team through and through is, is Purdue. Um, they've got an All-American in Jaden Ivey. He could be a lottery pick. Uh, their center, Edie, uh, 7'4". He's been dominant all year. And my personal favorite, the classic Purdue uh, wing, Stefanovic, the doughy white guy, <laughs> a little, a little uh, pretty unathletic, but, um, you know, he, he, he gives an effort and, and he wets three. So uh, Purdue's got all the guys for a uh, deep run, and, and I think they're, they're definitely the best team uh, in the Big Ten at this point. My favorite watch uh, without it goes without saying, really. Uh, this one is is all about my Scanies. Uh, Johnny Davis, he's an All American, no doubt. Uh, probably the the I would consider maybe the best player in the country. Uh, the guard for Wisconsin, uh, he's going to be playing in the NBA for many years. Um, but he's not even the best player on this team. Uh, Brad Davison, uh, fifth, sixth year, who knows? Uh, he brings it every week and uh, taking charges. Um, getting and ones at the, the, the most opportune times. Um, this Scotty's team is, I'm biased for sure, but there's so much fun to root for and uh, probably my favorite watch in all of college basketball this season. Um, and then the surprise team, Logan mentioned Michigan, uh, completely agreed there. Uh, a team that was in the final four last year in Juwan Howard's first season as head coach, who would have thought uh, he flew a little too close to the sun though, um, because they, they have not had, uh, his second year has not been the best campaign um, they're 12 and nine at this point, 10, 12. So the way through the season, um, that's not the record you want to have. So uh, they, they're headed probably for the NIT at this point. Um, so J Juwan Howard, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I think the third year will be more in the middle, which, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There's just, there's just some good shouts there. I can only say I've really watched one full big 10 game this year. I probably only watched the second half, but a Purdue Illinois game that went to double OT and uh, Illinois, you know, played really well, but I thought Purdue is impressive. They won it. Um, and it seemed like Purdue had an answer for everything and had really, you know, kind of a distributed scoring, uh, had different guys stepping up to do it. So uh, I do think Purdue looked really good. They, they definitely have a, a chance to keep running. Um, let's you, move on now. To, what's that? You didn't, uh, you, didn't, you didn't let me know that you watched that Illinois-Purdue game, man. I'm, I'm very proud of you. No, he did. He told us it was uh, it was on MLK Day during the day, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Maybe I, I can't remember what day it was. I was at twenty four hour fitness on the bike, just sat down and uh, you know started started ripping some bike at the gym, watching the game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What more can you want? Exactly. That sounds like an MLK Day. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's move on now. The Big Twelve. Uh, Big 12 has been somewhat exciting this year, but I don't know. KU not really looking too great, but, but I'll let you guys break it down. What do you guys think? Yeah. So big 12, I think the best team is actually Texas tech. Um, they don't have the best conference record. They did lose to Kansas. I can't remember if they played Baylor or not. Uh, but when they're locked in, like I just go back to the day where they played Texas at home uh, a couple, uh, I guess it was last week. I think it was last Tuesday. They're just, when they're locked in defensively and they've just got an attitude about them. And I, I just really like them. And I think they're dangerous and they're just tough as hell. Um, then um, let's see here. Surprise. I'm kind of, I kind of go with Texas tech as well. I didn't uh, with losing Chris Beard. They've got a bunch of transfers come, that came in uh, most notably, uh, Kevin O'Banner from Oral Roberts from that team that, uh, that made it to the Sweet 16 last yeah. year. And I think they only returned. Uh, There's really only two or three guys I remember from their team last year, McCarthy and Shannon. Mm -hmm. um, 
they've, I, I really like them when they're dialed in. Like I said, um, I, I, I really like that team and I think they're dangerous. Um, a surprise also would be Iowa State, um, kind of, I guess, coming into conference play. They were, they, I think they, they, they were scratching the top 10 coming into conference play, but they've been struggling, uh, probably finding themselves on the bubble now. Um, and then I think, I think as far as fun watch, I think it's Texas Tech. I just love this team. Maybe it's my bias. <laughs> wow. Kind of an honorable mention because they're just hilarious. I love Porter Moser and they've just got a ragtag squad. But Texas Tech, like I said, they're, they're dialed in and they're just, they're just tough as shit and they're fun to watch, especially at home. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing to myself because it's probably, we probably have the same answers because we watch so much hoops together. But right. this Texas Tech team this year, they've been a revelation. Uh, so much fun to watch. It's, it all starts with, I can't believe you didn't mention them, head coach Mark. Yeah, I know it. I know. Um, I, we've seen year after year these coaches on, uh, you know, on, on the sidelines sweating through their shirts. <laughs> And uh, Mark Adams, he's an older fella. Uh, he looks cold every time he's out there. I don't know what it is, but he's cold-blooded, man, because he's got that team playing hard as hell. Uh, Logan mentioned it. Only two returning guys from their, their rotation last year. Five of their seven leading minutes guys are transfers. Um, so Mark Adams just working that transfer portal in year one. Uh, and and that, that home crowd against Texas, uh, yes, Chris Beard uh, left Texas Tech. So it was an emotional game for – for tech and in that uh, student body and fan base, but man, they showed up and that was an a crazy atmosphere. This team's been, uh, I think it's close. Baylor, I, I think is right there too. KU's not far off, but I'm going with tech as, as the, my best team, uh, my favorite watch. And, and without question, the surprise team, Chris Beard, um, their head coach leaves them for Texas. You know, everyone would probably thought, uh, you know, Tech's going to sink to the bottom of the Big 12, but, man, they're, they're challenging for the title uh, in Mark Adams' first year. So props to Mark Adams. Uh, we love this Tech team, um, and, and, man, I hope they go all the way. Yeah, no, I agree. And just to piggyback a little bit off Adams, it's, um, it's been pretty cool. Like in, uh, across, like, all sports nowadays, you see, you know, coaches are getting younger and younger, and I think he's 65, and this is his first head job at the Division One level. Coached at a bunch of like D2 schools and then was actually at a JUCO somewhere in West Texas. I can't remember the name for like 20 years and is in the JUCO Hall of Fame. And then here he is just finding himself, you know, with one of the nation's top teams. Pretty, pretty cool story. Yeah, good for him. It, all, it also sounds like he's been, been tearing up the town of Lubbock off the court as well. So he's uh, <laughs> always comes up. <laughs> Definitely. Just running around Lubbock with, with a parka and sweatshirt on, even in, in the 90-degree <laughs> weather. But, uh, you know, that's good. I, I That is surprising to hear Texas Tech is really showing out this year because um, they're a team that, you know, everyone kind of expected to drop off, especially after Chris Beard took the leave. Um, so interesting there. But let, let's move on to the Big East now. Big East has been a, a fun one this year. Uh, let's hear your thoughts, Logan. Yeah, Big East. I actually, uh, Big East kind of slipped my mind, so I'm going to kind of have to shoot from the hip here. Um, I would say the biggest surprise is Seton Hall. Um, they've, they've won some non-conference games. I didn't really expect much from them. Oh, actually, no, I take that back. I'd go with Marquette probably. Um, Shaka Smart's first year. They lost a lot uh, with uh, Ojahowski getting fired, um, and they've been they've been hot. I mean, they've kind of been – They've been a, they've been an underdog in most of their last ten games, and I, they've been covering like they've been a covering machine and winning right mostly. Um, they've been a lot of fun to watch, and then um, I would say the best team is probably Villanova um, from top to bottom. They've just got that pedigree still with with with, with Jay Wright at the helm. Um, but uh, it's pretty pretty interesting conference. I think Bard watches a little bit more of them than than I do. Um, but it's a pretty interesting conference. And right now at the moment, I think they have the most projected teams in the, in the tournament, right? Yeah, I think they're, the, the, the top seven at this point in the Big East are, are going dancing, uh, at least according to Joe Lenardi. So we'll see if that guy knows. Joey Brackets. He knows what he's talking about, though. I think, I think he's the one that's drawn all the brackets. Uh, drawn something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in the, in the Big East, I, I probably do watch it a little bit more than Logan. I, I'm actually a big fan of this conference, and, and it, I think it's a high level of hoops. I, 
I, I intentionally did not include the ACC because I don't even consider them a power five basketball conference, at least this season. They're, they're a travesty. One ranked team in the entire conference is a joke. Uh, the Big East, meanwhile, I think they got, you know, four or five ranked teams, seven in the tournament field at this point. Um, impressive conference. I think at the top, the best team in record-wise, and I think just the best team overall is Providence. Um, and not to mention the surprise team of the year. The team's 20-2 and two overall and 10-1 and in conference. Um, so, yes, Nova, they've got the pedigree. They've got Jay Wright. But uh, I've watched a lot of this Providence team. They've got a lot of seniors. They're a veteran team. Um, and their record shows it. They, they are, uh, you know, they just find a way to win games. Uh, they may not be the most talented, but um, they're well coached and, and uh, they, they know how to get it done. So I think Providence is the best team. I would consider them my surprise as well. Um, and then another, honestly, another one of Logan and I's favorite teams to watch, uh, Marquette, man. Shaka Smart in his first season, uh, he's having a great year. Um, they got a good mix of, uh, of young guys, uh, three seniors in the – excuse me, old and young. Uh, they got three seniors in the, the starting lineup, but uh, their best player is a freshman, Justin Lewis, um, probably all-conference, probably not quite all-American, but – um, he's terrific. He might even be a, a you know a draft pick after year one, a one and done. So we'll see what happens. But Marquette's without question been uh, the jerseys too. My God, yeah, the, the so filthy. Um, and yeah, so Marquette been a lot of fun. Providence been been the surprise and, and the best team I think. And I like that. Uh, so we can make it official. Pod stamped. The ACC is no longer a Power Five basketball conference, replaced by the Big East. Uh, so big moves coming. Uh, well, let's move on down. Back off that real quick, just because I did make some notes with the ACC. I've got the best is Duke. Prize, I would say Notre Dame. Um, I would say Notre Dame, and then also Syracuse. I expected a lot out of them, and they're they as of now they are not a tournament team. And then fun watch is no one. Uh, that is uh, that's what I put. Nobody. I don't think anybody's fun to watch. That Horrible <laughs> That's all I have. Yeah. You guess. Guess the last Astro. year. Guess the last year Duke won the ACC. The oh shot. wow, dude! I, was it 2010? 2009. Wow. I was actually, I was at that AC. It was in Atlanta. The ACC Virginia's been, Virginia's been yeah. running it up. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I've, Virginia's got a couple in there. Um, Carolina's got a few Florida state has one. And then Miami's got a random one. Uh, but I think it's been 13 years. Larry Nega, baby. Yeah, I know. Pretty wild there, but, uh, yeah. Coach K seems like he's kind of going out sad this year. Uh, so not a lot in the ACC, but uh, moving on to the SEC, what, what do we got going there? Um, so with the SEC, I think the best team is Kentucky, and I think when they're healthy, they're actually the best team in the country. Um, they would have beat Auburn out of Auburn if uh, Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington didn't get hurt. They probably even would have been able to hold them off if Wheeler was able to stay on the floor. The problem is they don't have a lot of depth, but when they stay healthy, I mean, Wheeler's on the floor distributing. They're just a different team. And I, I think that they're the best team. And Shibway down low is just, is just an absolute animal. I think he's averaging like 17 and 15. He leads the country in rebounds with 15 rebounds. The guy's, the guy's just an absolute stud. Um, I would say, and then the surprising team would be, it's, this one's kind of a, Toss uh, this one's kind of hard for me because I think Auburn's surprising how good they are. I knew they'd be a tournament team, a tournament caliber team, uh, probably like around a four or five seed, but I'm pretty shocked that they're you know flirting with a one seed right now. And um, and then the, I think the most fun team is Kentucky when they're healthy, they're when they're clicking on all cylinders, they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it pains me to say, but I think Cal's got those boys playing, and it's a little bit different of a Kentucky team, it's a little veteran-laden team, not a bunch of one-and-dones, uh, some transfers here here and there. Um, I really like their team. Kentucky has been good, but uh, I think the best team, man, it, it's it's got to be Auburn. Uh, the way they play on their home floor, uh, Bruce Pearl, what he's done for that program, uh, they, they maybe have the number one overall pick in, in Jabari Smith. Um, I just really like the team they have. Yeah, they've been a little bit sloppy, but they find a way to win games. Look at their record. Um, and so I think all, Kentucky, very talented, very good. You know, they haven't been super healthy throughout the year. So I think you got a good argument. But uh, my best team is Auburn. Uh, my favorite watch, 
and, and sorry, LSU. Uh, I was hoping that uh, that team would, would be my favorite watch, but they've really faulted down the stretch. It's got to be Musselman's team, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Anytime you can watch Brent Musselman, I mean, there's just nothing better. Uh, the, 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 guy's, the guy's electric. Um, and, and this Arkansas team, uh, you know, they lost some guys to the draft from, from last season's great team. But uh, J.D. Note, uh, potential All-American guard, um, actually absolutely leading the, leading the charge for that team. And uh, uh, yeah, they're just – I mean, Musselman really does it for me, but they, they got a good team around Note as well. And so Arkansas probably my favorite watch. And then the surprise for me has been just the underperforming uh, both Alabama and LSU. I thought both these teams would be able to challenge the uh, the top tier in, in Kentucky and, and teams like Tennessee as well for, um, you know, the, the the one or two spot. I thought they'd be uh, right around, but they, they're towards the bottom of the conference. Both teams played pretty well in non-conference play, uh, had a lot of momentum going in and then have really faltered down the stretch. And so um, Bama and LSU, pretty disappointing for me um, in the SEC. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Bama's just so hard to – put my finger on I you know one one day they're losing to Georgia the very next game they're beating the hell out of Baylor who at the time was 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 playing as well as anybody I don't know how they're going to seed them either I don't be, know how they're going to be seated beat Gonzaga no lose yeah. the AM. yeah beat Houston too uh you know they've got a bunch of good wins a bunch of horrible losses I just I don't know what they're going to do with them um it should be interesting to see yeah it sounds like there's a lot still to be kind of figured out with those teams down down the stretch here uh, the, the last two twelfths of the season. Uh, but if you guys, you know, started looking ahead to the uh, to March Madness, uh, who are your four number one seeds at this point? Um, I think I'm going to go with. Um, gosh, this is really tough because it's going to come down. I think if, if the season ended today, I'd go. I wouldn't have Kentucky as a one seed, but I think they very well could finish as one. I'd go with Auburn, Purdue, uh, Gonzaga, and probably Kansas if they if all things hold in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I think it really obviously matters what happens down the stretch, but um, I think Purdue's a one seed. I think Arizona out of the Pac-12 is a one seed. Um, Gonzaga will probably find their way into a one seed just uh, given the, the, the conference they have. And then um, final one, it'll be between Kentucky and Auburn, and I'm going with Auburn. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. Another thing that I always like to look forward to, and obviously everyone listening to this knows me, I like the NBA. I'm always looking for the players in college basketball that, uh, that, that could be – NBA prospects who who are the you know top maybe two or three guys that you guys have been impressed with this year who think you know we, we know some of the guys like Banchero Jabari Smith even Chet Holmgren um, are, are probably all going to be top five picks next year but who's someone that's maybe flying under the radar that you think really is going to be a, a solid NBA player I think uh, Jaden Ivey is one that I that I mentioned earlier and Barton mentioned as well I think he's I, I do think he could sneak into being a top five pick. Um, he's a really good guard. Um, it's not like Purdue to manufacture NBA talent, but they've got one in him, and that's kind of why I like their team. Um, Jabari Smith with, at Auburn, I mean, the kid just – he's got just just had a lot of raw talent that's just waiting to be unlocked, too. They're still trying to kind of figure out how to use him, I think Auburn is, too, at times. Because down the stretch in that Arkansas game the other night, um, they kind of went away from some guys taking shots that have been – taking shots in certain spots. And I think if they can figure out how to fully unlock him, they Auburn, Auburn could be dangerous and, and, and it could prove me wrong with my Kentucky, and be, uh, with my Kentucky pick of being the best, best team in the country. Yeah. I think both those are, are good shots. Two guys that come to mind for me. I mentioned one of them earlier, uh, Johnny Davis uh, for Wisconsin um, I just think he all around, I think in, in all the games I've watched him, I think he's the, been the most impressive player in the country. I think he's a gritty, gritty guy who, uh, you know, tr will end up translating well to the NBA, he can get his own shot, um, probably more of a shooting guard, but has enough size that to defend at that level too in the NBA. So um, he, he, I think he's, he's pretty special. And then uh, another guy, uh, the Arizona's uh, probably best player, uh, a guy with an incredible name, all-name team for sure, 
uh, Emmanuel Mothering, uh, or excuse me, Benedict Mothering, uh, the, the guard for Arizona. Uh, he's been their leading scorer all year. Uh, he, he, bigger guard, um, can kind of more of a combo one, two type of guy. Um, he'll be a little bit of a work in progress, um, but I, I do think he's a pretty special player too. And, um, you know, as he continues to develop, he definitely has the tools athletically to, to play at the next level. Yeah, and I've got another one actually um, that just popped in my head. Uh, can't think of his last name. I think it's Orlando something for Fresno. He's seven-footer. Dude, no, this kid is – he's legit. He's uh, hes like a bigger, stronger, kind of similar to Chet Holmgren in a way, but a lot bigger and stronger. Orlando, it might be Washington or Orlando Johnson, something like that from Fresno State. he, he He's one to keep an eye on if they can sneak into the tournament. Um he, he, he could he can win a game by himself, and I think he'll probably be a lottery pick. Damn, I like that. That's a good uh, good poll right there. But, man, that'll wrap it for some college basketball. Uh, but, but excited, man. We've got this Super Bowl coming up. We're going to take a short break. We'll be down to, to give you a little Super Bowl preview and then make some Super Bowl predictions. We'll be back after a quick break. Super Bowl. It's this Sunday. Los Angeles Rams at home, but playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Game is in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, this is a, a weird Super Bowl. We was not expecting either of these teams to make it this year, but here we are. Um, you know, I'll flip it to you first, Barton. Just give us a little breakdown of this matchup. Yeah, I have a couple of things written down that I think are, are worth watching out for in this game um i will say to start pretty crazy uh second year in a row a team has just happened to host the uh the super bowl um maybe rigged i don't know uh (laughs) not worth getting into it at this point in time but um couple couple matchups i think are are worth mentioning uh we'll start the obvious one we know the Bengals o line is is below average it's been well documented burrow getting sacked nine times in the divisional round against tennessee um, you know, they struggled to protect him in his rookie season. He ended up getting hurt and, and really all year this year. Um, Burrow, despite that, has succeeded, finds himself in the Super Bowl. But, man, they've got a tough test. This Rams front seven has blue chippers all over the place. Um, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, um, you know, three all pros right there, maybe two Hall of Famers. They're going to be getting after him. So I think, you know, that, that really, that matchup, the Rams front seven, uh, versus that that Bengals O line in Burrow really will dictate the outcome of this game. Um, if Burrow's able to kind of have his way um, and, and and be able to beat them, uh, I think you know the, the Bengals very well could win this game. But um, if if the Rams are able to get home with that front seven without having to, to blitz and they can drop their guys into coverage, I think it, it could be a long day for for the Bengals. So I think that one's a, a something to watch for. Um, also. Another uh, kind of thing I'm looking for is, is just all the wide receiver talent in this game. I think that each team has two dynamic duos that um, rack up yards. Uh, uh, the Rams, it's a newer one. They just added Odell Beckham uh, in addition to who's been probably the best receiver all year in Cooper Cup. Um, and then two young guys for the Bengals, but absolute studs. Jamar Chase, the rookie, and then T. Higgins, um, the big outside X receiver. I think both the uh, – you know, both these duos have a chance to just wreck this game. Um, we've seen we've seen it happen with Chase. We've seen it happen with Cup. Those guys are are really the ones on their respective teams. But um, I'm I'm looking for more of a Higgins Beckham matchup more than anything, and seeing hey in these number in this number two matchup, is there a guy who absolutely balls out? And I think that uh, could go a long way in deciding this game as well. Um, and then the final one, maybe the most important one of them all, the kicking matchup we've got here. Uh, between the Rams kicker, Matt Gay. Uh, we saw him miss a short on a 47-yarder in Tampa a couple weeks ago. So he's been injured as well. We'll see what happens there versus 
maybe the uh, the biggest savage in all the NFL at this point, Emac Evan McPherson. The guy is just nails. Um, he's been doing it all postseason long, all year long, really. Um, has not missed in the postseason. I think he's 12 for 12 or something like that. He's been sensational, hitting clutch kicks uh, in really every game he's played. Um, so that one's, a, a, I think, a, a worthwhile mention just because, um, you know, we've seen in postseason games, in Super Bowls, special teams matter, kicking matters, and uh, the Bengals have a big advantage in that matchup. So um, I think that's uh, another just kind of matchup breakdown to, to look into a little bit. Definitely. I like all of that. Um, you know, throwing it to you now, Logan, uh, if I told you right now the Bengals win this game, what, what do you think the, uh, the script kind of looks like? How do you think the Bengals do it? Um, I think it's going to look – I actually think that the Bengals are going to win, and I think it's going to look a lot like the, Kansas, the, the AFC Championship game. Um, kind of my prediction is I, I can see the I can see the Rams kind of being in control for the first like two half quarters, two thirds of the game, um, just kind of being in, trying to be in control. Ten twelve, yeah, ten twelve of it, um, and just Burrow. I'm sure he's gonna they're gonna take some sacks. I'll get into some of those props when we get there. Uh, I'm sure he'll you know I'm sure he'll be on the ground a lot, but Burrow just he he gets back up every time. And I told myself, I was on Tennessee in that second round matchup, told myself I'm not going to bet against him again, um, this, this playoffs. And, 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 and I'm just not going to, I think um, eventually they, they, they work, they, they get back into the game in the midway through the fourth quarter. If you give Joe Burrow the ball again, I like, um, I like McPherson to come down and, um, and hit a game winning field goal. 27, 24 is my, uh, is my prediction. Um, McPherson's yeah. got that burrow, that burrow quality to him where he just he just nails. He just there's it's the it you can't explain it. Um, they just have it. Definitely, and you know I'll respond to that by saying I really don't know what you're talking about with the AFC title game. Uh, no idea what game you're talking about. We never saw <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> that game is not acknowledged on the point of Drew. Uh, but another question for you, Logan. Uh, you know, on the flip side, if the Rams were to win this, Stafford gets a chip. Obviously, you being a big Georgia fan, uh, your dogs won the ship this year. Uh, what would it mean for, for Stafford as well to get, get a ring this season? It would mean a lot. That's all, that's that's definitely what I'm rooting for. Um, I, it, it hurts my heart to say that because when it, I was really excited this offseason when they made that move for him because I've just seen Stafford just – just getting pummeled in Detroit for the last 13 seasons. And, and it would mean a lot. It would it'd be, it'd be really cool to see, you know, finally it, it, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia takes a lot of heat for, you know, their quarterback play and all quarterbacks kind of get a lot of heat um, throughout their play throughout their career or for their play throughout their career, deservedly so at times, but um, it would be, it would be really cool to see a Georgia quarterback uh, win one for the home team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the home team for sure uh I, I do think it would be uh you know a pretty good redemption type of deal for for Stafford obviously being the number one pick in his career um you can almost make the case that I, I mean sure his Detroit team sucked but he, he probably has underperformed over his entire career from the the standpoint of being a number one overall pick only making it to one pro bowl uh, but finally, he gets a chance to play with a, a really well-built-out roster, has a chance to kind of, uh, you know, come back, redeem himself and win it. I do think it would be a good story for him. So uh, I think it would be awesome to see Stafford get one. Uh, but it sounds like your prediction, you're going Bengals 27-24. Is that right? I am. All right. Well, Barton, let, let's hear your prediction. I'm going the same way, man. Burrow in a big spot. Give me that all day long. I like the Bengals. Uh, game that Emac probably decides. I like them 29-7. Uh, I just think this team, they've got that Cinderella feel. They just believe in themselves. Uh, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, we don't need to bring up the last game, but just they, they find an ex, like it's inexplicable. They don't know they, any better. Right. They, they just find and it. And it is the, you know, Burrow, EMAC, whatever it is, they've got something going and it's hard to explain, but um, you know, you just got to trust it because you know, we haven't seen anything different uh, at this point in time. So uh, I, and also just the Rams, 
I get how talented they are. I absolutely do. They've gone all in. Uh, it's amazing that they're here. Um, I'm just not convinced that they're going to execute in, in the big spot. Um, so I'm going with the Bengals uh, like I'm 29-27. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I've got the Rams winning it. Uh, and I think it could happen on a bit of an ugly game. It wouldn't surprise me if this one's a little bit more low scoring. Um, if, you know, the Rams are really able to, to get a ton of pressure on Burrow, um, you know, keep him running around in the backfield and, um, you know, maybe forcing a mistake or two. And then wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple of mistakes out of Stafford as well. Um, to, so I think this one could, you know, have a few turnovers, could be a little bit of a lower scoring game. Uh, so I'm going with a final score here, 17 to 10 Rams win it. That's my prediction. Low scoring, man. You're really thinking, uh, I can see it going that way. They're going to keep Burrow under wraps. We'll see. Yeah. I think they keep them under wraps. And then, uh, you know, my sleeper pick here, and maybe we can each throw out a prop or two. We like, um, Odell Beckham, two touchdowns, Super Bowl MVP. I'm calling it right now. That's how it happens. That's how it's going down. Beckham. Yeah, Odell would be redeeming himself as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely would be. So, uh, you know, that's what I think I'm riding with with the Rams. But uh, I'll I'll let you guys go around and each throw out maybe uh, at least one prop or, or something you're looking at betting in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll start things off. I've got a prop I really like and. A couple, actually. It's on the Bengals side of things. I really like Jamar Chase, over three and a half rushing yards. Um, I think they're going to somehow get him the ball on an end around uh, just to find a way to get it in his hands. And uh, we've seen him when he's in open space. He, he finds a way to get the yard. And so I really like that spot of him getting over three and a half rushing yards. Uh, and then a fun one I really like. Um, Emac, we talked about him at length on this podcast. Um, over seven and a half points at minus 130. Give me that. And then to top it off, give me EMAC MVP at plus 6,000. Uh, I think uh, his, his, his leg is going to matter in this one. I think he is going to come through like he always does. And uh, ultimately, I think he just, this game uh, brings the title back to Cincinnati. I would have to assume he would be the first ever kicker to, to win a Super Bowl MVP. Did that one? He maybe could. Vinatieri would be the only one. Maybe, but I mean, I don't know because he was on teams with awesome quarterbacks. But right. yeah, who knows? That'd be impressive if you get that one right, Barton. I'll also pay out to you on it. Yeah, <laughs> might be able to pay. You might be able to pay. The you hear that, that truthers? One. I'm coming to collect. That's yeah. the case. <laughs> yeah. Logan, what about you? Any props that you've seen? <laughs> Yeah, I've got a few. Um, if you can, I was looking on my book before this. I don't have it yet, but I like the Rams, whatever the over sacks are as a team. I like that. I like the Rams to score a defensive touchdown. That's probably a plus money. And then um, I like all three, Leonard Floyd, Vaughn Miller, and Aaron Donald to report a sack. If you get two out of three of those, you're, you're, you're on the right side of things. Um, that's what I like. Yeah, I really like those. I, I think all of that is really in line with kind of the game script that I'm expecting where the Rams are putting a ton of pressure on Burrow, getting to him, uh, you know, making him having to, to run around and maybe make his mistake that could result in some Rams points. So uh, I like where your, your head's at on those ones, but I'm excited for the game. It's going to be wild, especially seeing a team in the Bengals that I personally predicted to have four wins this entire season they're now playing for a chance to win the Super Bowl. So uh, it's been fun to, to be proved wrong here. Uh, I don't always like being wrong, but, but I admit it when I'm wrong. Uh, and I would definitely have been wrong on the Bengals. It makes you, that makes, it makes you and I. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I'm not alone on that one. That'll wrap things, I think. Uh, we, we covered a lot of ground here. Um, trade deadline, a little college hoops recap, and then Kaepernick's off Super Bowl. Man, it's, a, it's a great time of the year for sports. Um, Z, Logan, anything to add before we jump? Not much more to add. Yeah, no, not much more to add. Um, man, sad, sad to see my guy, CJ McCollum, 
head out from the Blazers. Wish him the best in New Orleans. Uh, hey, looks like I'm about to watch a lot of bad basketball in Portland for the next year or so. So <laughs> that's my only final thought. Gonna be gonna be tough. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll find a way to, to get through it, though. Um, my only shout. Uh, it's been a great NFL season. I can't believe it's coming to an end. And um, really, really sad to see our guy, Drew Third, David Coley of Coley's Army, um, not retain his job in Houston. Uh, he unfortunately moves on. But man, we know that guy's got some heart. It's been it was a hell of a year watching that team. Um, so that, that's my final word. Is uh, you know, they did David wrong. Uh, we love you, coach, and uh, you know we hope to see you uh, on a TV here pretty soon. Yeah, or or see him on the pod. Who knows? Maybe we yeah. can get him on. But <laughs> DVD there. Anyway, Druthers, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for rocking with us. Thanks for tuning in, listening. Logan, thanks for uh, joining the show, breaking down some hoops with us in, in the Super Bowl. Um, and you know, stay tuned. We've got some more content coming for you. We'll be back soon. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Truthers. You know the drill. Like, rate, review, and above all, subscribe, baby. Peace.